0: Section twenty six of the Lion's Brood This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shoshang Jakmulla. The Lion's Brood by Duffield Osborne, the slave. It was an hour past midnight when Marcia first knew the agony of returning reason. The gong in the forum had just struck. Where was she? Surely in her own apartment. How had she come there? Then slowly the memory of yesterday grew clear. The awful duty of tomorrow. With eyelids fast shut, as if dreading to open them to the darkness, she buried her throbbing temples beneath the rich companion coverlet. She could still see the eyes of Idilker gleaming wolfish amid his jewels. She could see him standing in the doorway as he turned from that startled Russian pursuit of what had been doubtless only a whisper of their imaginations he had said he would come for her before daybreak, and she must be ready later, she could approach death with suppliant hands, but now she must be ready. Her life was not her own yet; it was her country's. Later, the shade of Lucius would beckon. Surely he would forgive her for having avenged him. But how had she reached her room? Had it been Calvius or the slaves who had found her? Did they suspect? Then she remembered the man who had seemed to catch her as she fell. Where could Idilcar have been then? Had he hurried away? Probably enough. Again a slight scratching noise, as of someone softly changing his position, like the sound which had startled the priest came to her ears. Ah! Protecting gods, what was true, and what but dreams! Her whole life was passing before her, phantasmagorial and unreal. Surely someone was present. She felt it. Had Idelkar come already? The horror of the thought gave her courage, and, thrusting down the coverlid, she opened her eyes defiantly and tried to pierce the darkness. Nothing was visible, but she knew she was not alone. And leaning upon one elbow, she reached out, groping. Suddenly a hand grasped hers, a strong, bony hand gripping it tightly, and by its very energy commanding silence. It seemed strange to her that she did not scream, but then she had known that she would find someone, and had the hand been Idelkar's, she would certainly have realized it by the loathing in her soul. For her, now all other men had become friends. Therefore she was not frightened, did not cry out, rather it was a soothing sense of companionship that came to her almost of reliance. Why had this man come? Perhaps to help her, surely not to injure. Who was he? Man or God? Gods had appeared to those of olden times, when the republic was young and Romans worshipped, believing. She felt very brave, fearless who are you she whispered i am a slave answered a voice i brought you here and i am watching it was a voice that while it rang hard yet had in it an assurance of protection even of power and it thrilled her as with some familiar memory nevertheless she could not place its owner in the household calavius had many slaves a few of them had been free-born and some perhaps might even have known a measure of social standing before the turn of war or of financial fortunes had lost them to home and position who are you she asked again i am a new servant said the other pacuvius calavius bought me yesterday in the street of the whitened feet she was silent a moment trying hard to think she felt the man's hand trembling and then suddenly realizing she drew her own away and yet you are going to-morrow with this beast this animal said the voice bitterly startled again by the tone and accent no less than by the words she burst out ah why do you say that but you do not know and i cannot tell you yes you are right i am going away to-morrow i am a cortesian what then by the gods no he cried and she heard him spring to his feet then lowering his voice if i thought that i would kill you you would only forestall my own blow she said quietly and there was new silence at last he spoke again tell me all of this matter you are safe i am a roman a roman and a slave and a slave. Tell me the truth quickly. The voice sounded weak and hollow now, but still strangely familiar. She began her story, speaking in a low monotone. I am Marcia, daughter of Titus Manlius Torquatus. I loved, and yet I drove my lover from me, and he was killed on the black day of Canae. Then the senate feared lest the enemy should advance to Rome, prayed for the winter, for time and i was beautiful and i had no love save for the king orcus so the thought came to me that by my blandishments i might win power with these people and by power delay and by delay safety for rome and revenge for my lord lucius therefore i journey to capua you see that i have played my part that i have won tomorrow i go to pay the price what matter it then i can die he had listened in silence only she heard his breath coming hard and a moment after she had finished he spoke no you cannot die not thus i have died once yet i live listen i like the lover you tell of was slain at kanai pierced through by javelins and i lay with the dead heaped above me ah so many hours days perhaps i do not know until the slave-dealers passing among the corpses found me breathing and wondered at my strength auguring a good value therefore they took me and when i was well off my wounds they brought me here to capua and sold me to pacuvius calavius to whom may the gods give the death of a traitor lo now let it be for a warning that orcus does indeed send back the dead from acheron he leaned forward as he spoke the words, and there came to Marcia a sudden memory of two occasions when she had used the ancient saying, the colloquial never of Rome. Once it had bound her to Idilcar, and once, far back, in happier times, it had parted her forever from Sergius. Tears rolled down her cheeks. A dim light seemed to be creeping into the room, very dim. But as her eyes grew dry again, she could begin to trace the outlines of her companion sitting on a low stool beside her couch. Surely, those were footsteps in the hall. Yes, footsteps, and the approaching light of a lamp. Marcia's heart stood still. The slave had started from his seat and drawn far back in the darkest corner of the room. Then... The curtains were pushed cautiously aside, and the tall form of Idelcar stood revealed by the light of the small, silver lamp he bore in his hand. A long, dark mantle enveloped him from head to foot. "'Come,' he said, speaking sharply, but in low tones, and holding the lamp above his head, he tried to peer into the apartment. "'Come, it will soon be light. Ah, you have not risen. No matter.' I have another cloak, and we must not delay. The slaves are well bribed, and Calavius sleeps soundly, forever. My horses, good horses, are in the street. A few moment, and we gain the gate. The shalishism's own ring is on my finger, and the seal of the great council shall win a egress. You are my slave, that is how you shall go with me, and I accept the omen. He laughed low and harshly, and Marcia shuddered thinking of her host lying slain, by his false slaves, by the order of Hannibal, no, rather by the hand or plotting of this wretch, who now called her slave. Come, come quickly, Romanus, he said, mimicking the Latin nomenclature of foreign slaves. At the same time, he took a step forward into the room, and let the curtains fall behind him. Come, or I shall have to order the rots to those white shoulders. That would be and then a shadow seemed to glide forward from the corner half behind him for a moment a stream of lamplight fell upon a white set face behind the carthaginian's shoulder a face that was indeed from the land of the four rivers an arm was lashed round the priestess neck and while marcia stared spellbound at the shade that had come back to save her the lamp fell from idilcar's hand And then she lay still, and listened to the furious struggle that ensued, the scuffling of feet upon the marble floor, the breathing that came and went in short, quick gasps. Now it seemed that both fell together, but not in victory or defeat, for the noises told of continuing combat, no words, only the horrible sound of writhing and of hard-drawn breath. Breaking at last from the bonds of dazed wonder, she glided from the couch, groping for the fallen lamp she must see she must know then she remembered the room lamp that stood on a stand by the bed and began to feel her way toward it the grating of metal against metal came to her ears followed by a low exclamation and a sharp ah gasped exultantly then came the sound of two fierce blows she had found the lamp now and was trying to strike a light The victory was still undecided, though the combatants seemed to groan with each breath they drew. At last the wick caught the spark, and the mellow light and the odour of perfumed oil began slowly to fill the room. A statuette, or vase, came crashing to the floor, and, raising the lamp high above her head, she threw its light upon the struggling men. For a moment she could make out nothing except a dark mass at her feet. Then she caught the glitter of a weapon, and at last her eyes grasped something of the situation. Idilcar was undermost. She could see his black, curling beard that seemed matted and ragged now, while the Roman, the man who bore the face of the dead Sergius, was extended upon him, grasping, with both hands, the Carthaginian's wrists. It was the latter who held the blade that had glittered, a long numidian dagger but the hold upon his wrists prevented his using it and the roman dared not release either hand to wrench it away there were bruises too on Idilcar's face the blows of fists but the blood on the floor told of some other wound doubtless the roman's inflicted before he could restrain the hand that had dealt it now neither seemed able to accomplish further injury until the strength of one should fail and if it was her protector's blood that was flowing the thought was ominous neither dared to cry out for the aid that might come was too doubtful and besides they needed to husband all the air their lungs could gain marcia saw these things and thought them clearly quickly and in order her mind seemed to grow as strangely calm as if busied in selecting some shade of wool for her distaff she reached down and by a quick movement twisted the dagger from the stiffened weary fingers of the carthaginian a cry burst from him the first since the triumphant ah that had doubtless come from his lips when he used the weapon a few moments since he writhed furiously and marcia stood holding the dagger in her hand hesitating rather through dread of injuring this new sergius that had arisen to aid her The Roman, however, seeing himself freed from the necessity of guarding against the sharp point that had menaced him, now suddenly released the wrists of his adversary, and, grasping him by the throat, he lifted his head several times and struck it violently against the pavement. The Carthaginian groaned, and his hold relaxed for a moment then tearing himself free and with one hand still gripping the throat of the prostrate man the roman raised his body and turning toward marcia reached out for the dagger with eyes fixed wonderingly on his she gave it to him as if only half conscious of her act again the scene changed less helpless than he had seemed and with staring eyes before which death danced idylkar gathered all his remaining strength for one last despairing effort wrenched himself loose and staggered to his feet then marcia saw sergius for she knew now it was indeed he saw him throw himself forward on his knees and catching Idilcar about the hips plunged the blade into his side the priest shrieked once as he felt the point and struggled furiously to escape raining blows upon the other's head and shoulders again the long dagger rose and fell piercing the man's entrails gods would he never fall and still he maintained his footing but now his hands beat only the air and his struggles became agonized writhings Sergius' grip about his hips had never loosened and the dagger rose and fell a third time Idulkar groaned long and deeply, and sank down in a heap, carrying his lair with him. End of section number twenty-six.